0: Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast. A podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk to you about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about some things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in my life that maybe we don't think of enough. Because a lot of times when we think about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We, we immediately think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, with the evidence of spiritual gifts. And, um, but there are some things that Jesus talks about in John 14, 15, and 16 that we don't talk enough about that are a part of the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and in my heart. And so we're going to look at five things today that Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would do when he comes. So what we've got to do today, and we've already done that, but we've got to continue to open our heart and open our mind to the Holy Spirit and say, come Holy Spirit and do these things in me today. And we're going to pause throughout the message this morning to pray. We're going to pause as a church this morning to pray, asking the Holy Spirit to do these works in our lives this morning now before i get to john chapter 14 in john chapter 13 we get a little bit of of context as to what jesus is talking to his disciples about in john 14 15 and 16 which john chapter 14 15 and 16 is the longest discussion that jesus had with his disciples about the person and work of the holy spirit but in John chapter 13, what is happening is that Jesus has asked his disciples to join him in an upper room in Jerusalem for what he would have as a last meal with them, share a last meal with them. It would be not much more than 24 hours after this meal that they would come and arrest Jesus and begin the process of crucifying him. And so, Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, he He does something totally unheard of. He he gets down on his knees with a little basin of water, and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And the Bible says to show them the full extent of his love. And then he began to talk to them about his death and about his departure, about his ascension back to heaven To be seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he could tell when he started talking about him leaving the disciples. The disciples, he could see their faces were troubled. Because they had spent about three and a half years walking with Jesus, observing Jesus, being a part of his ministry. And as long as they were with Jesus, they felt safe and they felt secure and they felt courageous and they felt brave. But but now Jesus is saying to them that he's not going to be with them much longer, that he's going to be taken away. And he can see the troubledness on their faces. And so he begins in John chapter 14 with these words to his disciples. And I believe to some folks that are sitting here in this room today, you may be troubled about something. But here's what Jesus says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, how many of you know that's easier said than done? But it can be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he began to talk to them about the hope of heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Yes, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. How many of you know it's not going to be long, I don't think, until Jesus is coming again? He's preparing a place for people who have prepared themselves for that place. And then Jesus says in verse 5 of John chapter 14, he said, where I'm going, you know, and how to get there, you know. But there was a disciple by the name of Thomas. He was called the doubting disciple, doubting Thomas. And Thomas said, no, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. And that's when Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Listen to me this morning, Summerton Church of God. Let me remind you, there's one way to God. One. And His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then Jesus begins to tell His disciples, listen, it's actually to your advantage that I go away and to your disadvantage if I stay here. Because as long as I'm here, the Father cannot send the Holy Spirit. And so he said, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. And then listen to what he says here in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, because when I go away, he said, I'm going to pray the Father. He said, I'm going to ask the Father. In other words, Jesus is an intercessor. Jesus prays for you and me. Jesus knows our needs better than we know our own needs. And he is interceding for us. You should feel comforted this morning to know that right now in heaven, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is interceding on your behalf. And Romans chapter 8 tells us not only is Jesus interceding for us, but we also have another helper called the Holy Spirit who also intercedes for us. And so Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go away, then the Father will answer my request to send you the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us five things in chapter 14, 15, and 16 that the Holy Spirit will do when he comes that I believe you and I need him to do in this house right here this morning. And the first thing he says is this. He said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another Comforter That word another means One of the same kind So Jesus is saying that He's not going to necessarily replace me He's going to be just like me And it's going to be Something or someone in addition To me You're going to have not just me As a comforter but you're going to have Another comforter The Holy Spirit And, and, and he said that he may abide With you Forever, But I want you to focus on that word or that description, that noun, the name given to the Holy Spirit here, that he is a comforter, that he will come to comfort his people. I wonder if there's anybody in this room here today that could use some of the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that only the Holy Spirit can give and only the Holy Spirit can bring. Now, I know that many times when we think about comforting somebody or being comforted we think about consoling somebody or soothing somebody and that is a part of comfort is to console and is to soothe but real comfort doesn't just console you and soothe you real comfort strengthens you amen strengthens you for the trouble that you are in to get through it The season that you're in to get through it. The Holy Spirit is that kind of a comforter. Matter of fact, that name comforter there uh, simply means somebody to come along beside you to assist you. Someone else that will come along beside you to help you. To come along beside you in order to encourage you and to empower you. Aren't you thankful that in days of trouble like we're in right now and in times of distress like we're in right now, notice what he said about this comforter, that he abides in us forever. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said it like this. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. And that word comfortless there is better translated. And it's probably like this in many of your Bibles. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you by yourself. I will not leave you alone, but I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you somebody that's going to come alongside you. And he's not going to just be alongside you. He's going to abide on the inside of you so that you will never be alone. You will never be abandoned. You will never be forsaken. But no matter what you're going through in life, he will always be there to assist you and to help you and to empower you can we thank God for the comfort of the Holy Ghost this morning and so this morning we need to pray Holy Spirit comfort me would you just right there where you're seated would you just bow your head close your eyes lift up your hands because I know that there's some in this room right now that you need the comfort of the Holy Spirit I'm gonna read you as you're in your posture of prayer. I'm gonna read you a text that I received this morning just before coming into our first service. It's from Kim Davis. As you all know, Paul is fighting for his life because of this horrible, horrible virus in our nation. She said, Good morning, Pastor. I wanted to specifically update you this morning before service. Paul has remained stable over the past 24 to 36 hours. Amen. They've been able to remove some of the medications he was leaning on so hard for support. But along with these improvements have come some negatives. Like they've had to increase his paralytics. And this has its own set of possible problems. They've placed him on continuous dialysis. But I know this is all part of it. But for now, he is stable, but of course, completely dependent on full life support. The head of COVID critical care team told me Friday that he's not given up on him yet. Myself, Hunter, Hudson, Riley, my three children, certainly we're not giving up either. We know the great physician. Hallelujah. We know the great physician. And our faith is standing on his promises for our future. Please ask everyone to fervently pray for Paul. We cherish each prayer and feel so honored of the number of people who have contacted us, letting us know that they are praying. But it's not over. This is just the beginning. The COVID itself may take four to six weeks to clear. It's a long, critical journey ahead. Thank you for your prayers. And thank the church in advance for me in Christian love. Kim, the Davis family needs the comfort of the Holy Spirit this morning. Tracy and Howard Weldon, they need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Tracy's stepfather passed away yesterday from this horrible virus. And her mother is in critical, critical condition in ICU so many that are still being affected by this. Listen to me, Summerton Church of God. This is a real fight that we have on our hands. And it is still taking lives. I spoke to a friend of mine in Cleveland, Tennessee, Janet Blair, whose parents live here in Alabama. Both of her parents are extremely critical in ICU and need a miracle. Listen to me this morning, church. We need the comfort of the Holy Ghost. These families need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Would you help me pray right now? If you need his comfort, would you say, come, Holy Spirit, comfort me this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you this morning to come alongside your children, to assist them, to help them, to empower them, Lord. They need your strength today, God. Yes, they need your consolation and they need your soothing touch. But more than that, God, they need your strength to get through this. And they need your strength to continue to be who you've called them to be and to do what you have called them to do. Come, Holy Spirit, comfort your children today. Listen to what Paul says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Now, when God is called the Father of something, that means he is the originator of it, that it began with him. And it says that he is the Father of compassion. And can I tell you what compassion is? Compassion is not just feeling some way emotionally over, over what somebody else is going through. Maybe you see somebody in need or you see somebody hurting and you feel their pain. But compassion is more than just feeling their pain. Compassion is also moving into action to do something to help them in the middle of their crisis and in the middle of their trouble and in the middle of their distress. That's why the good Samaritan even though the priest and the Levite walked by the gentleman, the the person the certain man who had fallen thieves on the road and the priest and the Levites walked by. But when the Samaritan came by and saw that he had fell to thieves and had been robbed and stripped and wounded and left for dead he didn't just feel pity for the man but he did something for the man he picked him up out of the road and he put him on his own beast and he took him into the city and he got him a hotel room and told the innkeeper take care of him and when I come back in a few days whatever I owe you whatever the tab is I'll pay it in full that's the kind of God we serve He is the father of compassion who doesn't just feel what we feel, the pity of our plight, but he is a God who moves into action to help us in the midst of our trouble and to help us in the midst of our distress. And notice, not only is he the father of compassion, but he is also the God of all comfort. And he says that he comforts us in all of our troubles. Hallelujah. So that we can now comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Listen, as a child of God, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. So when you pray, Holy Spirit, I I want you, Holy Spirit to touch this person, or Holy Spirit encourage that person, or Holy Spirit comfort that person. Did you know that the Holy Spirit may choose to use you as an answer to your own prayer because He depends on you. The Spirit of God who lives in you depends on you to get Him where He needs to go. If somebody needs encouragement, if somebody needs comfort, if somebody needs strength, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to strengthen them. I want to comfort them. But I choose to do it through you. Listen, Summerton Church of God, we need to be a help to one another. We need to be a strength to one another. We need to be an assistance to one another. We need to learn how to comfort one another in times of trouble and distress the same way that the Holy Spirit has comforted us. Oh, somebody thank God for the comfort of the Holy Ghost this morning. Then he goes on and says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds. I like that word abounds like an overflowing river our comfort abounds through Christ and what that simply means is the greater the trouble the greater the distress in your life the greater the suffering that you're going through the greater God's comfort will be in your life his grace is greater his mercy is greater his love is greater His peace is greater than anything you and I will ever go through. There is an abundant supply. There is never a shortage of God's power. Never a shortage of God's strength available to us. Holy Spirit, comfort us. But then notice the next thing that Jesus says in John 14 and 26. He said, but the counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, notice what he will do. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, here's what I want us to pray that the Holy Spirit will do in this moment as it relates to him teaching us. That is, I want us to pray, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me but not just holy spirit revealed truth to me listen to me holy spirit revealed the truth about me ooh that's a lot different isn't it now not just holy spirit reveal truth to me but holy spirit reveal the truth about me because you see the holy spirit is able to point things out in your heart and in my heart and in your spirit and in my spirit that are offensive to God. Yeah. L- listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, talking about how that God reveals the truth about us. That many times He does that through His Word. And notice what He said He said, For the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. And, And then listen to what he says. He says, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what we need to pray here this morning. God, if there's any racism in my heart, if there's any prejudiceness in my heart if there's any bigotry in my heart Anything, God, that is not pleasing to you, anything that is sinful, anything that offends you, he said everything, he said nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he's the one to whom we are accountable. And so what we need to pray right now is we need to pray, Holy Spirit, shine the light of your word upon my heart. The Bible says in James that the word of God is like a mirror, that when we look into that mirror, we see ourselves, for who we really are. And sometimes, how many of you know, it's not a very pretty picture. But that's what the Word of God does. It exposes so that we can repent of it and experience the forgiveness of God. So would you just right now just close your eyes? I told you we're going to pray periodically through this service today. We're not going to just talk about it. We're going to do it. And would you just say, Holy Spirit, Shine the light of your word on my heart. Expose anything that is unlike you, that is offensive to you. Father, forgive me of my racism, my prejudiceness, my bigotry, and anything else that is unlike you. Oh, God, reveal the truth about who I really am. But also, God, reveal the truth about who you want me to be. Do it in this moment, Holy Spirit. There needs to be maybe some repenting going on right now, some asking of forgiveness going on right now. Holy Spirit, reveal your truth. Reveal your truth to me. Reveal your truth about me. Who I really am and who it is that you want me to be, Holy Spirit. May your word expose everything and anything that is unlike you. And then may my life come in line with your word today, Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the terms that Jesus used perhaps as much, if not more than any, to describe the Holy Spirit. He described him as the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. That when he takes up residence in us, he begins to show us what's real and what's not real. What's truth and what's lies. But then Jesus goes on in John chapter 15, verse 26 And says that when the counselor comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he calls him that again there, who goes out from the Father. Notice what he says. He, the Spirit of God, will testify about me. You see, that's what the Spirit of God does. He testifies about Jesus. And listen to me, church. That's what people who are full of the Spirit of God do. They testify about Jesus. They talk about Jesus. They preach about Jesus. They teach about Jesus. And so what you and I need to be praying this morning is this. We need to pray, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me, Holy Spirit, as a witness. Use me, Holy Spirit, to testify of Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you something, folks, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes, thank God for the wonderful feeling that we get, but it's more than just about a feeling. Thank God for the wonderful, powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for for them but you and i need to understand today that the primary purpose the primary reason that we need the power of the holy ghost is because we have been called to be witnesses we have been called to testify about jesus we live in a community of people who need to hear more about jesus jesus Not more about our slick programs and and not more about our wonderful facilities. No, what people need to hear in this community, they need to hear more about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer. Somebody thank God for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray with me, Holy Spirit, testify through me. Testify through me. Use me as a witness to tell others about Jesus, to lead others to Jesus. Oh, God, we are in a time of trouble and distress. When people are looking for something to anchor their lives to, they're looking for some hope. They're looking for some peace. They're looking for some joy. And all of that is found in Jesus. May we, through the anointing and the power of your Holy Ghost, testify witness to others tell others about jesus jesus come on would you just take a moment and lift up your hands jesus jesus there's power in the name of jesus There's power in the name of Jesus. His name is greater than cancer. His name is greater than leukemia. His name is greater than diabetes. His name is greater than coronavirus. His name is greater than COVID-19. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's preach Jesus, church. Let's teach Jesus. Let's share Jesus. Let's testify about what he's done to make life abundant, available to us. And then Jesus goes to John chapter 16, verse 8, and he says this about the Holy Spirit, that when he comes, not only will he God. not only will he reveal truth, not only will he use us if we will allow him to, but it says that he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. How many of you this morning know what it's like to feel The convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Can can I see your hand? I've sat in church services where I've preached and I've been in services where my dad preached and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong. Convicting men and women of their sins and see them fighting that convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I know, I know you may have heard the term before, but I've seen it where, where, where men and women would hang on to the back of pews and their knuckles turning white because the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was so strong in that building. Convicting people of their sin. And the sin that he's talking about here, convict the world of sin or, or guilt in regard to sin. He's talking about the sin of unbelief. And that's really the sin that has to be dealt with in each and every one of our hearts when we come to Jesus Christ. And that's what the issue was here with the nation of Israel. They did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. They did not believe that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior and the Redeemer of the world. And the greatest sin of their life was the sin of unbelief. And it's the greatest sin of our lives when we don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And when the Holy Spirit comes, here's what he does. He begins to do a work of conviction or a work of convincing that you are wrong in your unbelief. And that what the word of God says about Jesus is true convincing us that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, that Jesus is our Messiah, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can get to the Father except through Him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a good song that convicted you. It wasn't just a good message that convicted you. It wasn't just a good good lesson that convicted you. Yes, the Lord uses the Word of God to help accomplish his work, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart, dealing with your spirit, dealing with your mind, wanting, wanting you to repent and ask forgiveness and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But but not only does he come to convince the world of sin, but he also comes to convict and convince the world of righteousness. Notice, it doesn't say that he came to convict or convince of unrighteousness. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is not to condemn. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict. And so once he's dealt with the sin in our life, then he points out that the standard of righteousness is also Jesus. <laughs> not, 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 not another brother in the church, not another sister in the church. And I said this past Wednesday night, I told the folks, I said, no, it's easy for us if we're not careful sometimes to measure ourselves to somebody else, our righteousness to somebody else. And, and, and we always tend to measure ourselves against somebody that we think we're doing better than. Well, I may have done this, but what? A, I, I'm, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. At least I'm not, I may not be where I'm supposed to be, but I'm a lot further along than, than they were. Listen, the problem is another brother is not your standard, another sister is not your standard. Our standard of righteousness is Jesus. And when we understand that He is our standard of righteousness, how humbling is that when we understand that we all still have some growing to do? Amen. And he said, I've come to convince the world of guilt in regard to sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he's speaking there about the judgment of Satan when Jesus went to the cross. Satan was judged. Satan is called the prince of the world, but you need to understand something. He is a defeated prince. Christ has already defeated him. Christ has already judged him. Christ has already dealt with him. The only thing left is for the sentence to be handed down. And that'll happen when Jesus comes back. And I believe Jesus is coming soon. But what he's saying... What he's saying in this passage of Scripture is, is if you have aligned your life with Satan, you need to be convinced that just as he's been judged and sentenced to hell, that if you look to him as your father, if you are serving, you need to understand you too will be judged the same way that Satan was judged. And you too will be sentenced to the same place that Satan has been sentenced to. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. He convicts in order that you would repent Ask forgiveness and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ who can change everything about you. Somebody, thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. So, we need to pray this morning Holy Spirit, convict me. Convict me. Convince me. Look at what this passage of Scripture says in Psalm 139, 23, and 24. And and, and I don't want you to repeat it after me, but I want you to pray it with me. Let's pray it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path. Of everlasting life. Listen, when you begin to sense and feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, don't fight it. Don't resist. It's just the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's a work that needs to be done in your life that only I can do. Surrender. Surrender. Holy Spirit, convict us. And then the last thing that Jesus says in John 14, 15, 16 about what the Spirit will do when He comes, it says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, see, He keeps calling Him that. And it makes sense because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Word of God is referred to as truth. And so when we see Him called the Spirit, of truth, Remember, Jesus said that he was going to send another comforter. And so the Holy Spirit is another one just like Jesus. Right? So because Jesus is truth, the Spirit of God is truth. And it says that he comes and he will guide you. Wow. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you, look at this, he will tell you what is yet to come. And maybe we should read it like this. He has told you what is yet to come. And anything that he tells you from this point on about what is yet to come will line up with what he's already told you is yet to come. Right? Let me tell you something about this book. It's unlike any other book because it's not just a book. It's not just paper. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, how many of you this morning believe that God still speaks? Yes, absolutely. He still speaks. God still speaks. The Bible says he speaks through dreams and visions. The Bible says that he can speak to us through other people. You ever had somebody come to you and say, I believe the Lord has given me a word for you. I just want to make sure that the people who come to give me a word, read the word. If you don't read the word and you don't know the word of God, I have a problem with you coming and telling me you've gotten a word from God about me. Just there's a little mean moment there. I'm sorry. I also believe that the Holy Spirit can give us impressions. The only way I know how to describe that is that gut feeling. I've walked with the Lord long enough to know that gut feeling. And if I ever violate that gut feeling, if I ever disobey that gut feeling, if I ever go contrary to that gut feeling, I get myself in trouble. I had that gut feeling before I got here. After a dream that the Lord had given Jamie and I, two years before it ever happened that we were going to come here and pastor this church. And it was in my gut for two years. Because I just knew God was speaking. I just knew God was leading. I knew that God was guiding. I knew that God was directing. So yes, I do believe God can speak. But listen to me, the primary way God talks to us, right here, his word. These folks running from pillar to post, church to church saying, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Dad gummit, get yourself a word. Can can you tell this is just a little bit troubling to me? This is God's word to you. The psalmist said that his word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. The word of God. And if we have this word hidden in our hearts, it will guide us. The word of God will guide us. Yes, I do. I still believe God speaks through dreams and visions. Yes, I believe God can speak through other people. Yes, I believe in impressions. But even that has to line up with this. So if you give a word, and that's why, that's why Paul said it's so important that the elders, the deacons, the leaders in the house of God need to know what God's word says. Because you need to know when somebody gets up here on this, pool, on, on this platform and begins to declare what they say is the Word of God, if you know the Word of God and you know what they're saying is not in line with the Word of God, do you know what the Bible says? Sit them down and shut them up. Silence them. That's how important it is. Because in the last days... There're going to be seducers and doctrines of demons, and there's going to be those that are going to deceive people, because they can they can twist. The Bible even says about Satan that sometimes he masquerades himself as an angel of light. He can twist a scripture to where it still sounds just 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 like. But there's 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 one little thing that's missing, and if you don't know what God's word says, you will be deceived and led astray. And the Bible says that road is ending in destruction. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All truth. So you need to know what the truth is so that he can guide you. Do you think that, And and I'm afraid, and I, I know I'm just belaboring this point here for just a moment, but I feel like I need to. Do you think that people who never read and study the Word of God and hide God's Word in their heart, and I believe that there are some folks like this that just pray, well, Holy Spirit, reveal your truth to me, Holy Spirit, and never read God's Word, never study God's Word, when you need to understand this is how He wants to reveal truth to you. Are, are you hearing me this morning, church? This is so, so important. This is going to be probably one of the, one of the biggest issues of the end times is people being deceived because they don't know the truth of God's word. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, that that you know as truth. He will guide you into that. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. That's why we have books like Revelation, because he's told us the reason why we have books like Daniel, other other books, and really most every book in the New Testament that talks about how things are going to unfold in the end times. Stop trying to figure it out and read it. (laughs) It's right here in God's Word. So what we need to be praying this morning is we need to be praying, Holy Spirit, guide me. Some of you With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room this morning, some of you are at a crossroads today. And you're trying to determine, do I go this way or do I go that way? Isaiah said this in Isaiah 30 and 21. He said, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. I love that. When you get to a place and you don't know which way to go, say, Holy Spirit, guide me. And you will hear a voice. It may be an impression. It may be something you read in the Word of God. It may be somebody that comes to you and says, you know what, God gave me this Word. But he said, if you hear that voice, and obey it. It'll guide you the way that you need to go. So Holy Spirit, for those who are in a place this morning, maybe, maybe it's a major decision that they're facing in a relationship. Maybe it's a major decision, God, that they're, they're having to make right now, a business or a financial decision. God, maybe there's a, a young man or a young woman here today praying about where, where do I go to college? Where, where do I need to spend the next three to four to five years of my life? You See, there's a lot of different things that's being considered in this room here today, but here's what I believe. Listen. Listen to that still, small voice, and he will guide you. You will have that impression in your gut. You will will have even a confirmation, I believe, from Holy Spirit. But when you hear that voice, be obedient. His word will lead you. His word will guide you. His spirit, the spirit of truth, will never mislead you, will never misguide you. He will always lead you into truth. He will always lead you into God's will for your life if you trust Him. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.